for coming on happy to be here how is everything oh it's been good i have been in the process of moving um to houston so i just moved into my new place a few a few days ago so that's just been a whole a whole thing by now are you a really good packer and mover or do you still just have anxiety thinking about it (laughs) i'm i'm a big homebody so like i'm not the type of packer who packs light whatsoever. Like I need a lot of my things to make me feel like I'm actually comfortable at home, but I have gotten better at it. But because I was with at least staying in the same state for the past three years with Washington, kind of the same state, I guess we were like Maryland the first year, then Virginia, the second two years. Um, That was easier than moving from DC all the way to Houston. So, but we've gotten better at it. And we're kind of getting settled in. So need to go shopping later today. There you go. Nice. How has off season been for you? It's been good. Um, Yeah, I've been training. I did a lot of my training in Florida. Um, I go to Florida for a bit and train with Eric Cressy, uh, sports performance out there. And I just like love the Palm Beach area. So I head out there, do some of my training there. And then I was trying to spend a little bit more time at home this off season, which is Canada. So, um, I was kind of mixing it in between those two. Um, but then I tried to come a little bit early for preseason just to get settled in and everything. Yeah. So when you are in Florida, are you training with, besides a trainer, are you training with other players or other keepers or are you just doing one-on-one? Yeah. So I, for most of the off season, I actually like focus kind of strictly just like on strength based stuff. And then I'll do like footwork with like touches on the ball and like distribution and stuff like that. But when it comes to like the goalkeeper side of things, like I actually, it's just worked for me for a while. I don't really do a ton of goalkeeper stuff in the off season just because it gets really physically axing on your body like the whole year just like the constant of like hitting the ground a ton so i have started to do it within like the past three weeks it was when i started like more of my keeper training but when i was in florida actually there's um i'm sure people have kind of seen a little bit of like the what it might be and like when it's coming out but uh, a lot of the nwsl girls did a whole version of like the hype house Mm -hmm. um which was like, yeah, the off season it was called. And I had no idea they were going to be in the exact air. They actually were lifting at the exact same gym. I always lift at. So, and I had no idea they were doing it. And I just remember seeing some of the girls I knew and I was like, wait, what are you guys doing here? And then I, I got in to train with them for a couple of weeks, which was really good. Um, because doing goalkeeper training in the off season is great, but then like getting thrown into small sided with like Sarah Gordon, like Darian Jenkins, like Midge Pert, like all of like these really great players that like hold you to a high standard is like great because it's just preparing you again for what season's like when you have all these like amazing players and they hold you to very, very high standards during training. So you don't want to be like making mistakes. So it was good to do that. Um, but yeah, I did that for a couple of weeks there. Do you ever, I mean, I'm sure your footwork is phenomenal, but do you ever feel pressure when you're playing with a bunch of field players on the field or do you feel totally comfortable doing that? 
No, definitely feel pressure. Um, I have good footwork, but um, that's why I think it's important for teams to like kind of keepers are always just that group that go like are at training and you just feel like you're like the weirdos of the team because we're always just off doing like our own thing. Um, we go out early, we leave late. So it's just like feeling kind of separated from the team. But I like when coaches incorporate us into like passing patterns and stuff like that. One, just because it's great for our feet. And two, it like just helps us like kind of build that, like those trusting relationships with our players, which I think is really important. But yeah, definitely when um, I haven't been touching a ball in a very high pressure, pressure situation when I'm with like my players and I'm like maybe needed out on the field and like small sided or a passing pattern or something. I'm like, okay, I need to like make sure I'm on it. But, and then people are always sometimes like, I feel like goalkeepers, they hold you to such a high standard, but then it's also funny because if you just like make a really good touch, they're like, Oh my God, like that was so sick. Even though it's like, they don't do the same thing for the field players. So yeah, I definitely feel the pressure of that a little bit. It's so different. I feel like when we were kids, it wasn't as important for keepers, at least from our perspective, probably to have that footwork. And now it's such a big part of it. I feel like every goalkeeper does focus on that. Um, it's cool that you do that on the off season. Cause you do have to give your body a break. I mean, you're so what you guys do is wild. Like we film for like a video and we do like fake goalkeeper, you know, <laughs> fall and I'm just like I can't imagine doing this all the time like it's, I'm also terrified <laughs> yeah, it hurts but oh, it uh, hurts. yeah you build up like a I always tell people it's like so attractive and like you build up like a callus to your body I swear yeah. I'm, like, and like the first week of preseason it just you're just struggling because you're like building that back up and then once you're in it for like a few days whatever you're you're good to go again but yeah were you always a goalkeeper or did you play the field at any point? I played the field. Um, like I started soccer at three, was a field player that whole time up until I was 12. Yeah, 12. I was like a left winger. Um, I'm left-handed, but right foot dominant, right hand dom dominant for soccer. But at that point, when I was younger, I was like able to just serve a ball in with my left compared to like people that age. Also, it wasn't very good. It was like young. But um, yeah, and then I, I became a goalkeeper kind of shortly after that. Um, it was like the typical there was no keeper available or something because nobody really wanted to be the keeper. It was like a floating position, like somebody that just would get stuck into it. And then that's how I became it was that I got stuck in because I was like, OK, sure, I'll go on goal. And then. I did really well for that age group or like skill level. And then our coaches were like, okay, get her training now. Like she needs, she looks like a natural goalkeeper. And then that's when my mom went all crazy mom set me up with all the training like possible to like get me like specialized in that position. And then I like couldn't look back after that. I was so, it was just so fun. It was like a really exhilarating position. That's awesome. So you enjoyed it. Like you didn't feel no. like you were pressured. No, I just like, didn't even really consider it because I played so many sports growing up at the same time where I didn't even like really know if like soccer was the one that I was supposed to play because I played volleyball and basketball um, at equally as a competitive level as soccer up until actually I went to college. Um, so I was like a triple sport athlete with that. And then I just 
could tell that one soccer was the one that gave me like the most like joy and just the one I was, I could see myself having like the highest ceiling with and going the furthest with. So yeah, I definitely didn't feel like it was pressure, but I, I was really happy about that, but I still like to play basketball and volleyball sometimes, but I can't really because we can't get hurt playing other sports. So I have to be like careful with that because our contracts and stuff kind of stipulate those things. I didn't even know that. So it literally says you can't play other sports. Yeah. It's like injuring yourself and like non soccer related stuff, like skiing, snowboarding, things like that. Yes. And I'm, this is why yeah. I'm awful at skiing because yeah. when we were in college, I, I feel like I brought it up to our coach one time and he was like, absolutely not. Like yeah. you yeah. Can hurt yourself. Well, one of our, one of the girls on our team went skiing yeah. with her family and said she got hurt at, in the lodge. <laughs> like something fell on her head. We're like, dude, you went skiing. Yeah, you skiing. Oh my gosh. Lodge, no, it's so like, true. The worst Canadian, too, because I'm like from Canada and I've skied once when I was little and I've never done it again. That's wild. Played hockey, but that's, yeah. I also just want to say how cool it is that you were a multi-sport athlete because we have so many people who follow us and so many women in the community who are afraid that they can't play another sport. Like they, they feel like they need to stick with just soccer. And it's mm -hmm. like, no, this is such a nice reminder. You should do what you love in high school and stuff. But if you want to stick with something, you'll know, you'll know what you're most passionate about. Yeah. And, and I'm such a big advocate of that. And I remember I've talked to other teams and clubs about that specifically. And I'm like, I think it's so crucial to like put your kid in like so many different sports. Obviously it's difficult sometimes for families like financially. And like, that's, that's like the reality of some cases, but I think if you can, or just like exposing your kids to so many different sports one, it creates like really good, like social cues and just like kind of like confidence building being around so many different teams and personalities. And then two, like, transferable skills from like basketball volleyball soccer like all of these different things from each sport that are like sports specific but they can intermix with other sports and it just makes you feel like so much of a more well like versed player because you've you've done all those sports for so long so i'm i'm always like do it if you can stay in it as long as you can because it it'll help you in like other areas what was the decision like for deciding to play soccer and deciding to play in the U.S. Was that something that you always knew you wanted to do to play college ball here? Or was that a difficult decision? Yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly when I made that like decision. I remember, I think the turning point of when I really knew like soccer was, I still stayed with the other sports, but when I knew soccer was the one that I was most serious about was when I was playing for a club team in my hometown in Barrie. Um, and I remember Barry's I'm in a pretty Northern town. So it's like not a lot of people like the level of soccer is not as quality. Like they try hard, but it's just because you're not having as many players there. And I remember my breaking point was kind of like, okay, I need to be on a better team. I need to be more exposed. I need to be doing better tournaments. Like I just need more here. So I remember getting on a club team that was, an hour and a little bit away from my house and I would go play and it was a year older than me and it was a team that would go do showcase tournaments in the U.S. all the time and I just remember knowing like okay like this is the goal here is I want to play college soccer in the U.S. Um, just based off of like what college soccer is like in Canada I just knew like 
Canada is known for its academics, not its athletics necessarily. So I'm like, I, I think it's great what those girls do, but I'm like, I know that's not the level that I want to be at. It's not going to be the level that's going to push me to like, want to continue my career. And at that point I hadn't even really fully thought about being pro. I just had thought like, I just want to play in college and like be a very good collegiate player. Um, and I remember I ended up also going to high school that was an hour away from me because it was a sports specific, like athlete only high school, um, in Canada, which was like a big sacrifice because I had to, you know, I remember I'd be getting up every day at 5am hitting the road at six, getting to school at like seven something and school wouldn't start until like nine, nine thirty, And then I would just be there. And then I would do like whatever practice I had that morning with whatever team I was in season with classes. And then I would like, I didn't have a driver's license, like all of high school. So I would like bus to practice and just like get home at all. My parents would sometimes pick me up and take me, or they would like pick me up or come to practice and like take me home. And I get home at like 11 and like repeat the whole thing every single day. So I just could tell like, that was kind of how much I was sacrificing for that sport versus like my other sports. Like when I was playing volleyball and basketball, I was just, I'm a very athletic person. So I would go to these teams and I would just like make the team on sheer like athleticism. Like not that I specialized in these sports and like parents sometimes would get annoyed because they'd be like, she doesn't even come to practice, but you'd like start her in tournaments. And it was like that kind of thing. And I just like loved it because it was competitive and it was fun, but I could tell the difference between how much time I was committing to soccer And like the specialized part of that versus like all my other sports. And that was when I was like, okay, this is a no brainer. Like I definitely like want to play college in the U S and like the team I'm on is going to help me get there. And like all the showcase tournaments helped me like get exposed to like different teams. And eventually I went there. So. I love that point because, you know, sometimes you feel so torn, but then you just take a step back and you like, look at your actions. Like what are my actions telling me about what I really enjoy doing or what I'm really committed to Um, And that kind of give you the answer, you know, but I'm curious throughout your, you've been playing for so long throughout your, your entire career, non-professional and professional, what do you feel like, where has been your biggest like periods of growth and why were those parts of your journey? Like, so uh, like such periods of growth, was it like coaching or was it the teams you were on or was it your mentality? Yeah, I, I honestly think There might be two times, but I think coming from call from um, club soccer to college was probably one of my biggest periods of growth because I, like I said, just like I got by sheer athleticism. I was always just a really great player. I got picked for teams. I played on Team Canada. Like I had a big resume. Like all these things, and I got to college and. I love my head coach more than anything because I was acting like I could do no wrong. I got there and I was like, I big like ego and like wasn't super disciplined. Um, like didn't have a lot of those like good traits of like, a, like what a professional athlete should be eventually. So I came in and I got humbled real quick by her and she was great with like, okay, yeah, you're way good enough to be our starting keeper, but we're not going to because you need to fix like these areas of your game before we're going to like allow that. And I think that was a huge like mental thing for me was understanding that and like 
building all those like key qualities that I knew were going to help me like later on. So like, I owe a lot to like her as a coach. So that would be like a specific coaching thing that I think without her or a coach that would kind of like get on me, that wouldn't have maybe happened necessarily, or it could have taken a lot longer, but then probably one of my, like, I think the most defining part of my career was um, the transition from my senior year to my first year pro. Um, I went from being like starting goalkeeper at Ohio state for three years, got goalkeeper, big 10 goalkeeper of the year. My last year I had all American honors. Like I was a very established player and I came in like, okay, like I'm this player, like not as like much as the college version, but I'm like, okay, I'm confident. Like my, my resume speaks for itself. Like here I am. And realizing like, okay. Cause I got picked up by Houston, my first, my rookie year. And realizing like, okay, as soon as I get there, I'm a number three. Like I'm not dressing for games. I'm not traveling with the team. I am a number three. And like, that was a big thing, like a pill to swallow and to understand, like, I can either get really upset about this in like a non-productive way, or I can use the spot I'm in to like fuel me to be better. And one, I think the speed from college to pro was the biggest shock, like coming into my first practice. And I'm like, oh my, having Rachel Daly yell at me. And I'm like young and I'm like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And like, just trying to transition to that. I think changing my mental game to understanding, like not a complacency of being like, okay with being a three, but like an understanding that I just need to be the best version of myself every single day, try to get better every single day and like bring my best foot forward for like my teammates and myself. And I think that shift really helped me a lot still to this day, because like, I don't think as selfishly as like, sometimes people might think where you're like, Oh, I just want to play. I just want to play. I want to play me, 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 me. And it's like, okay, well, that's great to like want those things for yourself. And I definitely do. But I just think shifting that mindset to like, how can I like be the best teammate possible? And that's like something I was known for with the spirit. Like I'm a number two now, like I've been a consistent number two for a while. And it's, it's a very tough position because you're putting in just as much work as your first string, if not more, because the, your first string has to like take more rest and recovery sometimes. And like, knowing that you want to push that number one to make them feel uncomfortable and like make the coaches question things, but also be like their number one supporter and like want them to be better is like something that I've become very good at. And yeah, I just think like that's probably, and I'm very, I, I feel like I'm really proud of that because a lot of people, you can see them get like frustrated and then they end up retiring because they're like, this isn't it. But how like fulfilled I feel just by even being in that position and it, and eventually like, it'll be recognized. Like last year I ended up getting five games and I had like a very good performance. So I'm like, you get your opportunities and you need to be ready to like actually perform during them. So those are probably the two most like big ones for me. Being a goalkeeper is so hard and so different. It's so wild. Every time we talk to, I feel like a keeper, we learn something new. But yeah. I just can't. It's so hard. You want to support them, just like any player, like a field player too. But like, you want that position. You there's only one of you that's going to be on the field. Like it's so tough. And being a number two, yeah, you have to work even harder because they do need those breaks. So I'm sure it's yeah. mentally so challenging. Yeah, um, and you're up before a game, and you're you're warming up just basically 
at least with Aubrey, when I was with the spirit, our warm up was basically identical. She would just, just be in for like the footwork stuff at the beginning. And you're going, you're going in like just as hard, getting completely ready to go. And then bringing it back down, sitting on the bench, but also making sure on the bench, like you're ready because there's a second where you're up and you're in the game. So, and then it's very emotionally exhausting because after the game, then you're just like, okay, all these heightened emotions and like didn't play, but yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy position. When you were talking about um, your college coach, how she kind of like put you in line was that easy for you to listen to her right away? Like, have you always been a coachable person? Was that hard for you to swallow? Like, did it take you a while to understand that? Like, what was that process like? Yeah. Um, I think I'm very coachable in the sense of when you are trying to tell me skills or like teach me tangible things like that, where like, do this, do this, or like watching and learning. And like, I will implement it right away when it, came to at that exact point listening to her tell me like the sun doesn't shine for me I think that was kind of like nobody likes to hear what they do is not right and I think I'm an only child too so my parents did a pretty good job of like making me not feel like that but still at a point like pretty sensitive person and stuff like that so I when hearing her say that to me I'm like I would get defensive and fight around it a little bit, but then I could completely understand that like nothing is changing if I'm acting like this. And like, I could see it. It was like plain as day. So I'm like, no, she's right. Like I need to do something different. Like this is, this is it. And I think there was just like a little bit of like a push and pull of her and I, like a love hate relationship for probably, I would say my freshman year was probably the biggest push pull just because like coming into new environments with like things I needed to do and being held accountable for. But once I like bought into what she was saying and like everything, I, I was pretty great. And then I ended up like, you know, taking on big roles on the team later on because like she trusted in me and it was just like, everybody always joked around like freshman year dev versus like what she was later on. It was just like night and day. So Yeah. It is crazy. Like that's all a coach wants is like for you to buy into what they're trying to preach, what they're trying to like get everyone to learn. And like, you yeah. want to resist it. I think a lot of freshmen, especially. And then once it clicks, it's like, Oh, I get what they're trying to do. Like they do want yeah. me to succeed. Like, Oh yeah. It was to the point where I was like coaching. Basically I was like leadership committee, which like you were assigned like a freshman, freshman class. I remember I ended up being that person then. And it was funny because I actually went to visit Ohio state a little bit ago and one of my teammates, she just got drafted to Louisville. Um, she was like saying, I remember when you sat us down, all of us freshmen and you like productively and like whatever got real mad at us for what we did. And we're like, you need to fix like, you can't be acting like that anymore. And they just thought it was like crazy. Like how you go from right. Like it's just, it's, Full circle. Yeah. You came to the US because at the time in Canada, I mean, t you know, women's soccer probably wasn't as strong. But now, are you so excited to hear that Canada's potentially having the professional league come in? I think in like two years or so, right? They're going to have eight teams. I'm excited about that. I think it's a great opportunity for Canada. Um, I love Steph LeBay, and she's like her, and everybody's like kind of pioneering it. Um, I'm excited for it because I think it gives a lot of Canadian players the opportunity to be back home. 
it'll be interesting to see how it does. Like I'm actually really excited to see how it's going to do, especially like on like the economic side of things, because Canada has taken a little bit longer to recover from everything post COVID. So I'm excited to see how it's going to like work out. I think it's such a great idea. And I think bringing that like female sport to Canada is like just so needed. It's the fan base is there. It's such an amazing country with that, with like how people band together for their team. But I just think the buy-in of like investing in it, like, and I say this around like everything, like invest in freaking women. Like it's, I hate mm-hmm. that you have to watch. Cause I'm like, you see it. Like the return is there. It's not like you're like invest in women and nothing comes from it. Like you're not making money. No, it's like, you can see it there with England with like how the U S was doing or um, the NWSL was doing with like angel city and everything on their fan turnout and like our TV ratings and what teams are valued at now, like Gotham at like a hundred million. Like, it's like, you see it's clear as day there and we're still fighting to get that equality there, but it is, it's going in a good direction. And I think people are starting to like buy into it a lot more, but yeah, yeah. definitely Canadian. I'm a dual citizen, but as a Canadian, I'm really excited to, to see that come. Yeah. yeah. It's so awesome. And of course it's not going to be successful overnight. Like the NWSL folded twice. <laughs> like there's, it's going to take so long to, you know, m- build a strong premier uh, professional league there. But again, like you said, it's just so cool to see it because it's like, it's, and I think people are weary of investing in women's soccer because they don't see immediate return. Like it's going to take time, but mm-hmm. you're so right. Like, even if it's you investing your time to watch, like put, put on the games, like that's yeah. something that you can do for free. Most of the time that some people forget, you know, like uh-huh. you can supporting women's yeah. soccer that way. Yeah. That's helping a ton. No, I totally agree. I'm excited. I think it's going in a, in a really good direction obviously like we want it to be faster but things take time and like where it was at the start of the league i think girls were making five thousand dollars a year and now league minimums up to thirty five thousand, which obviously we need it way higher than that but like that is like pretty astronomical change so yeah yeah for sure um okay so the last question we have is what is the legacy that you want to leave on the field? What do you want to be remembered for down the line? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think my biggest thing is that, like I said before, it ties into like, I guess like leaving on the field, but also off. It's like, I have been a number two for like a while and like I've played a handful of games, but like I've created a, a decent following of like fan bases and like people supporting me and like loving me as like a player. And I think that has to do with like how much time and effort I spend like interacting with people on or off the field, like fans and like stuff in the community. And I think like, that's my biggest thing I want to be remembered for is obviously like, I think my skill speaks for itself. When I play, I'm remembered for being a top-notch goalkeeper who can make saves, who can play good balls, like all of those great things, who's aggressive and like loud and intense. But then off the field, like I just want to be remembered for a player that doesn't just like do everything on the field. She actually like takes the time to like impact like the community and like help try to like foster like women getting into soccer and sports more and just like making them feel like the visibility of us is 
like very achievable, like when they see enough of it. Um, and I think just like dedicating my time to people, even not in the sport realm and just like showing that like a professional athlete, cause sometimes there's the stigma of the professional athletes that they're, you know, super full of themselves. Like they don't care about all these things. And maybe that could be true in some realms with like males compared to females, but I'm like, I want them to know, like, we're very approachable people and that we care deeply for like a lot of stuff that's like happening going on. And just like being remembered that I'm somebody who wants to like take my time and invest it into like, just like, I want them to invest in us. I want to invest in like their issues and like what's going on and like different, like I'm big into charity and stuff like that. And just, yeah. So I think more like my philanthropic slash like charitable work is what I would want to be like known for, like how I make an impact in the community. So, yeah. I love that. And I think it's so true. Like does not matter what playing position you are on the field, what team you're on, like every person has their sphere of influence, regardless of how big it is. It's just a matter of how deeply you can impact them. So I love that. And everything you've said just about like your journey and having the patience and the trust that you're right where you're meant to be balancing being a good teammate with also being hungry and wanting that first string starting position. I just, I love all that. I think it was really inspiring. I just love to hear your uh, perspective on everything. So thank you so much for taking the time to podcast with us and tell us about your journey and with every player that we talk to. Say that again. I followed you guys for so long. So this was just like, it was very exciting. (laughs) It's so awesome for us to get to like talk to these players that like we only get to see on social media or like in game time on television and streaming online. And then to actually get to like sit and hear your, everyone's individual stories. It just like makes us feel so much more connected to each team and each player and and everything. So it was really great to hear your story. Yeah. It's really exciting. Like, like you humanize those people a little bit more where you kind of like, Oh, and then I always get that reaction too. Sometimes they're like, Oh wow. Like it's, picking your brain's fun. And I'm like, ah, yeah. it's so true. I'm like, when we were kids, everyone had the same three favorite players because those were the only ones that had any visibility, right? We had like Mia Hamm and, and Brain Chastain. Those were the ones that you could learn the most about because they were in your face the most. But now there's so many different avenues of getting to like learn each player. I'm like, I'm always saying, I'm like, oh my God, I'm like my list of favorite players just continues to grow just after we get to talk to yeah. everyone. And like, them probably they're like, oh, they don't even play. And it's like, yeah, but like great human being, like yeah. mm-hmm. person on and off the field. Like, it's just, it's exciting. And like, I love what you guys are doing and like talking to you and like putting kind of like not a face to a name, but like actual conversations with you, with you guys. So. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for your time and have a great day. Thank yeah, you thank so you. much. Thank yeah, you. Thank you so much. It was nice meeting you guys. Nice to meet you too. Okay. Bye. bye. Soccer girls, you know we got some problems. So too long, ain't no way we talk, I don't stop them. We may laugh, we may learn, we might be.